The Holy Spirit's a picture frame, and Christ is the picture. You see this idea of a sublimated almost existence, as it were. He is the sovereign spirit, right? He is the king, just as much as the God the Father is the king. But what is his role? What is his responsibility? He calls himself spirit. He calls himself helper. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. John 15, 26 to 16, 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen. A favorite, um, a favorite theologian of mine is Martin Luther. And um, I remember Martin Luther saying, I remember a quote from him, that preaching is such dirty business, it's such an awful thing to have to do, that Satan should have to do it just for punishment. And... Uh, <laughs> That's that's his, that was his experience, and I, I can testify. I, I think there's some there's some real truth to that. Uh, you know, as I craft a message, for example, I remember early on in my career uh, reading books on persuasion, uh, reading books on um, how to present well and how to how to best reach the heart. Uh, and there's and there's an abundance of material out there on good ways to communicate, and some of them are just some of them are very biblical, actually. Biblical writers do, but. But it's interesting, even that exercise, in fact, when I was in my gra- doing my graduate work, uh, there was a lot of training on uh, the craft of a sermon for the, the intent of getting a response. 
And I was just sitting here, and I want you to notice something. We're going to look today at the Holy Spirit, but I want you to notice something in the text. Three times it says, He will declare to you. It says right there in 13 at the end of the verse. Look at the end of verse 14. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then look at the end of 15. And all the Father has mine, therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And the reason that strikes me, those three, those, that word there is angelios, it's the word for herald. It is the word for proclamation, declaration. And, and I'm going to be, be frank with you. I'm going to be frank and blunt. What I do here is useless, powerless, and even perhaps even damaging if it's not the Holy Spirit in me, the Holy Spirit present, the Holy Spirit in the air. And I, as I was opening my door, the wind hit the door on, right here on the street and, and slammed the door open, you know, like winged it open because you saw how violent the wind is out there. And I'm climbing out and I'm trying to grab things and I'm worried the bulletins are going to fly everywhere. And I'm just trying to get out, and it hits me. Isn't this what I want from my Father? Isn't this what we need? Because that word spirit, it's wind. That's in the Hebrew and the Greek. It means wind and breath and air. Whoa. We get the word pneuma, pneumatic, from uh, the, whole, the Greek word for spirit. And so it, it occurs to me, even as, we're, even as we're here now, waiting before the Lord, the text is open in front of us. And I, I, let's, in your heart, why don't you with me say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, declare it to us. Just, just be, be praying that. And be praying it for yourself. Holy Spirit, declare it to me. Be praying it for the person next to you, the person in front of you. Let's just have an attitude of prayer because what I do here is merely doomed or damned or difficult. Unless... And until the Holy Spirit declares, for the Holy Spirit declares what happens. Things change. Things move. <laughs> Things cannot be settled. Hold, the whole bay is sloshing onto the, onto the street. Why? Because of the power of the wind. Let the Holy Spirit do this to us and among us. Let's look for it. Let's, hunt, let's thirst for it. Let's ask for it. Let's seek it. And uh, maybe you'll get a better preacher out of it. Or at least a better sermon. I don't know. But I, I am going to hope for such things if we look at the Spirit. So then we're looking at the Holy Spirit today, and, I, and, I, and, I want to, and I'm going to start out the gate with some preconceptions and some things that will just kind of get our hearts in the a, in a right place with who is this Holy Spirit and, and what is He and, 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 and how should we understand Him. And I think one of the first things we should see about the Holy Spirit as the, a member of the Trinity is that this, this Spirit is not a force. In fact, look, if you will, with me, how many times in this very text he is called a he. Some years ago, there was a popular book called The Shack. I don't know if you heard about it. It's a popular book called The Shack. And in The Shack, the Holy Spirit is actually personified as an older black woman. Actually, I think there's something could be kind of, something kind of beautiful about that. I'm not deriding the book because the Holy Spirit, there's different images for the Spirit. They're lively and energetic. But do not make a mistake. The Holy Spirit is not feminine. And the Holy Spirit is a he everywhere in the Bible. It is a, he, is, he is a person. Now, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are reflected in both masculine and feminine. We know that because when God created us, he wrote and he said, let us make man in our image. Male and female, he created them. 
And so it's not that, they're, that, one, uh, that, that the feminine is being negated or rejected, but this is the image that he uses. He describes himself as a he. Christ describes him as a he. And let us reverently and with joy receive the idea that this is an animated person. This is a person with a will. This is a person who can be grieved. If you know your scriptures, you'll know these little texts. This is a person who moves. This is a person who, who convicts. It's right here in our text. He convicts. And so that, that isn't done by a force. It's not like gravity, right? It's not like a sense of spiritual gravity. And I, you know, you just do this and, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. No, 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 it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's a personal investment. But I want you to hear something else about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear how humble he is. Do you hear his humility? Even the name spirit, what is it? He's the holy air, <laughs> the holy wind. It's a humble, it's a humble name, isn't it? Holy, so we know he's majestic, we know he's God, but he takes this humble image that every one of us felt today and has felt our entire lives. Yeah, I hear the humility, and, but pay attention because the humility continues. What is the name that Jesus loves to use for him? Look at it right there. The helper. What a, what a, what, as if he were to say, the Holy Spirit were here, can I help you, sir? This is the eye of a waiter, a servant, a, a, somebody who, who, is, who is at your beck and call, as it were, as adopting a position inferior. What a blessed name. Hear, hear, his, hear his, uh, his humble work in the world. He assigns, and this, is, this gets at something that many people misunderstand about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not talked a lot about in the Bible. He, he, he is almost invisible, and I think in very, very intentionally so, because he has a humble role to play, a very humble place to position himself. And what is that position? We see it in the name, Spirit of Truth. Because what is the great humble work of this person of the Trinity, glorious forever, world without end? Amen. What, what's, what's so wonderful about him? He is a spirit of truth. What, his humility consists in a way that sometimes can startle us, sometimes can surprise us, sometimes can really charm us if we are paying attention. Because who is truth? <laughs> Nobody else calls the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth other than Jesus these three times in this sermon. And back in John 14, Christ called himself the truth, remember? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper <laughs> to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. He abides with you. You see this abiding word? Do you recognize that? That's been in John 15 the whole time. You're supposed to abide in Jesus. Jesus is abiding you. Jesus abides in the Father. So what is the spirit, what is this humble role he takes? To bring you Jesus, to show you Jesus, to, to, to draw you to Jesus, to show. The Holy Spirit's a picture frame, and Christ is the picture. You see this idea of, 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 of a sublimated almost existence, as it were. All glory eternally to who he is. He is the sovereign spirit, right? He is the king, just as much as the God the Father is the king. But, but what is his role and what is his responsibility? He calls himself spirit. And Jesus calls him spirit. He calls himself helper. And then the spirit of truth means he is the spirit who is here to, re, to, to reveal to us 
Jesus. It's, it, it, you can almost see Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit's like that little delivery boy. Here you go, Will. And, and don't, don't miss this. The fact that the eternal God humbles himself so ought to charm you. It ought to warm your heart. It ought to give you joy. Because it, it, it's such a gracious act, isn't it? It's such a gracious motion to us. It's such a wonderful thing that he would do. And he just doesn't mind disappearing. He wants to disappear so that, whole, so that Jesus is everything to us and everything to this world. And we're going to see it today. That's his convicting work. That is his, what he aims to do. That's what he's fixing to do today. And we need to pray and ask him to declare it to us, right? To get that work move, moving. Let me open, since I... I just, want to go, I just realized I'm not even looking at my notes, so who knows what I'm going to say, right? He shows us, delivers to us, reveals in us and opens to us Jesus. So what's the premise today? The premise today that I want to get from this, pat, this part right here, from this, this, this verse 8 through uh, 11. And uh, Christ very rarely uses, makes three-point sermons, but man, as a preacher, are you glad when he does? He will convict, it's his work, it's convict, to bring to awareness of sin and shame and repentance. The world concerning what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Did anybody follow this when it was being read? It is not easy to, when you, when I, look, I, I've been doing this a long time. I could read the Greek, but guess what? Guess what? It didn't bring me any closer to understanding this. This is, this is mysterious. This is, we, we resist this, but Holy Spirit, declare it to us today. Help me to, help us to hear. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack what does this mean with three different questions about it. And uh, the thesis that I'm working from today is going to answer these three questions that are, being, that, are, that, are, that are being answered here. What are they? Well, the work of the Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is to bring us truth himself, Jesus. That's the thesis today. But it answers three questions. The Holy Spirit comes to answer three questions. What is really wrong with this world? I, look, these, and it's funny about these questions. They're living questions for everybody. <laughs> There's people in San Francisco asking ask this question, aren't they? And trying to answer it. What is really right in the world? Anything? Is anything really right? But if there's anything, what is really right or good in the world? And finally, what is really the final outcome for this world? Where's it all heading? Where does it all go? Where, what can we hope for? And so uh, as I, I'm hoping we'll do this, and, and, and I hope that, that the Spirit will convict us. I am going to give the Spirit a little dose of humility. Father, I'm sorry about that. I, was not, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> what I mean is, he's already been, he already has humbled himself. But I, I had a chance this, this week, I told somebody I was hesitating to use this illustration, but now I'm not. Uh, well, no, because I, what, you'll hear what I mean. But I, we had a drain problem this, the, in, our, in our bathroom. And uh, it's the sink drain. And I, you know, I, you know I, I'm classically a procrastinator when it comes to stuff like this. I'm like, yeah, I'll disassemble it and take care of it later. And I keep promising that to Tao until the point where she no longer trusts or believes that I ever will, and probably for good reason. But I probably won't work on it until it just stops working. Is anybody else like this? Like, I'm not going to get to it until it just breaks, and then I'll fix it. Well, she, on her own initiative, wisely went and sought a solution. And it was called, what was it called? The drain weasel, right? The drain weasel. I love that name. It was a drain weasel. It's a little plastic, a little plastic spindle with a little. It's actually really worked. And I went in there thinking, thinking 
even imagining with my vast experience in fixing stuff, which is actually kind of big because I break things all the time. And, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, this isn't going to work. This is just, this looks flimsy. I, I, I doubt this will. I get in there, turning it, I'm trying to make the good effort, and boom, and I pull it up, and man, did we get a clog out. Holy smokes, it was disgusting. And, and it was like, you know, it was a congeal. This is what, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Nasty, nasty stuff in the kitchen sink, in the bathroom sink, I mean. So we pull it out, I pull it out, and I'm almost gingerly trying to get it someplace where it doesn't drip on it. It's just gross. I want to get it out of the house. You know what I'm praying is that the Holy Spirit will be a drain weasel for us today. I want the Holy Spirit to be a drain weasel. We need conviction. We need something routing out our hearts. We need, we need a deep dive at times. We need to get in there and get it out because it's ruining everything. It's corrupting us. And our lack of dependence and our lack of focus and our lack of, oh, and our lack of a good theology of the Spirit delivering to us Jesus Christ. So the work of the Holy Spirit, the thesis, is the spirit of truth, is to bring us truth himself, Jesus. Let's, ask, let's see how he answers this first question. What is really wrong with this world? What's your answer? Do you have an answer? I'm sure you do. Come on. It's got to be Trump, right? No, 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 no. no. Maybe, it's the, maybe it's the do-nothing Democrats. Oh, man, well, maybe it's Washington. Maybe it's the lack of a coherent Healthcare system. No, you know what? It, you know what I think. It, I know what it is. It's capitalism. Capitalism is the crime. Oh no, 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 no! It's a lack of good public education. Oh no, no, no! It's it's we haven't just redistributed resources appropriately like we have to. You can go on and on and on and on. And everybody, every one of us probably has a little hobby horse of something we think. Yeah, this is really kind of how. This is kind of a core issue. And we need a drain weasel. Yeah, we do. Because Christ's answer about what the Holy Spirit came to do and tell you is startling. It's startling. What is really wrong with the world? What is really wrong with the world? They don't believe in Jesus. Wait, what, did you want a list of crime? Did you want to talk about the Armenian massacre? Do you want to talk, you want to talk about, about uh, slavery in the Sudan? Do you want to pursue it? And, 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 and look, there's a lot of evil going on in the world, right? There is, and we're aware of it. But Christ, is, Christ wants to route something out of you, <laughs> and that is your problem. And the problem, you see, we tend to, we want to diagnose the problems of the world, perhaps not even our own, but what is this leading us to? Our problem and the world's problem and San Francisco's problem and the problem in the Castro and the problem in, on, on Wall Street and the problem here in this room is what? We don't believe and trust in Jesus alone. We're not living in trust in the cross and a forgiving grace where Jesus died as a substitute for all my wickedness and sin. We're not living in the idea that he is real present and real present now and his work and his wonders are present for us. That they're real and they can be accessible and that the great crime being committed on the street is, I don't care about Jesus. And the great crime of your heart has been what? Not diagnosing your lack of faith. What do we need the Holy Spirit to do there? Is to bring conviction that drives us back drives us back to faith. 
drives us back. We need to round out the things we suspect are leading us astray because they're not. Trust me, they're not. Chase Jesus and all these other things, all these other things you worry about that you want change, that'll all be added to you. Remember? Remember all those things? They fall in line after this. I remember when, um, you know, a lot of times when you're faced with addiction, or you know, the sexual addiction, or person, you're really humbled by how, by how incredibly difficult and thorny that problem is. And in fact, a lot of us are really in, think about. It. Don't you have like a little theory about addiction? Some, like some kind of working theory about wow, maybe it's physical or genetic, or and they, they confound us. And so, I remember being working on the street. And like, what's the, there's no answer. There's no answer. And then I saw an addict, a person on the street come to Jesus. I mean, the conversion always looks the same. I don't care if it's a rich person or a poor person. A renovation and re recreation of her heart where she was selling her body for crack. She was alive with love for Jesus. And the change was stunning. And I will tell you, and Cedric will tell you, as he works in psychiatric nursing, those stories don't happen in the world ever. Not like that. What was her real problem? She didn't have faith in Jesus. She didn't know Jesus. What's your real problem? What's our problem? We're not living in faith. Let the Holy Spirit come. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit come and give you a new heart of faith, a new heart of joy. In fact, if you're, if you're hearing me right now and you're, and you're kind of a part of you goes, I would really like to call out on this God right now. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Because what's happening right there is you feel that or sense that or want that. It's the Holy Spirit's declaring to you. He's speaking to you. And that invitation comes from him, not from me. I'm just a spokesperson. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm, just, I'm nobody. Holy Spirit is everything. And there's this wonderful way that Christ is exalted by him. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will show us and unmask for us what the source of our ills have been. <laughs> and we will find and we'll discover we didn't believe in him. We didn't trust his word. We weren't, we weren't living in that freedom and joy that comes in the knowledge of Jesus. We were, what were we doing? I remember my dad saying this years ago, a thousand hack at the bowels of evil. He's a quote. A thousand hack at the bow as a branch. A thousand hack at the branches of evil for every one who hacks at the root. Unfortunately, that's very, very true. That's very, very true. People hacking at symptoms, hacking at the results, hacking at the what perceived the visible problems, and never getting to core, never getting to the root that has to be removed and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you fall in love with Jesus all over again. And let me tell you something. Some of you, you might come to Jesus as I'm speaking, and it might be the first time you know this. Some of you really need to return, right, to a new confidence and a new focus and a new, never remember that sermon from, year, from about a half a year ago uh, where, where Christ is telling us, eyes on me, eyes on me, eyes on me. Look, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Keep your eyes on him. And that's what the Holy Spirit's going to have to help you do. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. And that leads us to this next truth, answering the next question. What is really right in the world? It's concerning righteousness. What is right? What is good? What is holy? What is pure? What is wonderful? What is, what is exalted? And this answer, when I, when I, I'll give it to Dale Bruner. I, I want to meet this guy. And he's a, he's a, he wrote a commentary. It's really remarkable. 
But he, he, uh, he, uh, he answers this question I, in a way that just made me want to get my eyes on Jesus more. And what is that? What does Jesus say? It's kind of mysterious to us. He says, because I go to the Father and you will see me longer. And we're kind of like, uh, maybe, maybe when we read this, we kind of, we associate with it because I'm going home, you know, and like when we go to our Father, it just means we're going home and you'll see me longer. That's kind of, you're going to be invisible. Uh, well, why is that? What's right with the world? I'll tell you what's right with the world. Christ is on the throne. <laughs> That's what that means. Christ is enthroned. He's king. He is ruler. The Adam spin in his command. And you and I know him because he says it. And, and the Holy Spirit, deli- oh my goodness, you see the Holy Spirit delivers for us a vision of Christ exalted. A vision of what that means and the import of it. That our prayers are shepherded by him. And, and the requests for Emma and the requests for, for, our, for the people we love are, are, are shepherded right to his throne. And, and he says, Father, Father, I have something for you. Go, uh, what, what, what of this? What of that? What of this person's suffering and that person's cry and this person's child and that person's job and that person's housing needs and whatever? Oh, oh, what's right with the world? You know, Some of us would say, we're not sure anything's right with the world. Well, that's a lie too, right? That the Holy Spirit can bring, if he starts routing on our hearts, we we have to start living in a world where what? Jesus is on the throne. Better than that, he gets up off the throne and he stands waiting to receive you. Like Stephen, remember? He's enthroned. But he's just, he's so, his throne has not kept him idle, has it? His throne has not kept him from saving, from rescuing, and let the Holy Spirit do his work right now in you, that you would see Christ high and lifted up <laughs> in the splendor of his glory, free to save and rescue his own, and to answer prayers with miracles and life and joy. Praise him. What are we going to do with this? Mm. Do you know why we come here and we begin to worship a glory be to the Father, and we end with Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to get our hearts at the throne and putting Christ on that throne. And that's why praise is what? Praise. When declared by the Spirit, which is what we always need, right? Praise becomes understanding what is right with the world. My Savior's on the throne. Oh, this gets better though. What about this invisibility part? You will see me no longer. Well, you won't see him. Christ, when, when Thomas sees him in a few chapters, Thomas, who said, I won't believe that guy raised from the dead until I put my finger and I stick my finger in there. I'm going to jab my finger in that hole. I don't believe it until I do that. I'll put my hand in his side. Doubting Thomas, we call him. Many of you know that, know that name well because it, it describes your heart, right? I'm not being unfair, am I? I'm not being unfair there. We have doubts. Mm, what did Jesus say? You're blessed, Thomas, to believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe and don't see. Who is he talking about in, that, in that, little, that little phrase? Blessed are those who believe and don't see. He's talking about Johnny. He's talking about us in this room. He was talking about us right now. What's that blessing? It's the blessing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is invisible and brings the invisible Christ. Not merely, we think, oh, I'd like to see him. You think you would, but you know what? You just think it was a bad trip later. That that wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. What we really need, what we really need is Jesus inside us. 
Remember, the entire premise of every promise he is bringing is I will abide in you, you will abide in me, that's, our, that's my purpose, that's your glory and your hope. Right there. What does that abiding look like? It's, it's invisible. <laughs> like you can't... What is it? Huh? Is it here? Yeah, it's here. That's what's right with the world. You. <laughs> you and the Holy Spirit in you, bringing you Jesus, making you like Jesus, helping you to know Jesus, helping you to praise Jesus, making everything about Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. And so the Holy Spirit is here to declare this. He is the picture frame. Can you see the picture now? Banish your fear and your doubts and your worry. You know the king of the universe. He is enthroned. At moments of despair and doubt that are coming, remember, there's an hour coming here. You remember that? Did you see that? There's, a, there's an evil hour coming, right? This is, there's just going to be challenges to this premise. There's going to be challenges to the claim and your vision of Christ high and exalted, aren't there? All right, when that happens, happened to me this morning when I got up this morning for prayer. It was a hard, dark hour for a while, right? But what, 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 what do we need to do then? Call on the Holy Spirit. Father, give us the Spirit. Fill us with the Spirit. Because what will happen then? Well, the vision of Christ, high and exalted. The Savior of our souls and the King of the universe. Praise Him. Praise Him, praise Him. World without end. Praise Him. Make this your habit. Make this your study. Make this your, your, daily, your daily process that you would ask the Spirit to come into you because he will deliver to you the goods. Jesus himself, high and exalted. Oh, I get excited about this. Um, you know, it's a... Uh, you can't... Uh, and let's go to the next point. I'm fucking going to get distracted here. But then finally, the final question that probably... What, what's the, really the final outcome for this world? Is it the Transformers coming and creating an apocalypse? Will the Decepticon, I saw a truck drive by us the other day, and it said to enslave, to, no, to destroy and enslave on the side of the truck. And I'm like, that really caught my attention. I'm like, what's he got in that truck? And this little Toyota, one of those Toyota F-150s or whatever, that, 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 that old Tonka looking truck that came out from and then I And then he drove past me, and then I saw the, the, the Transformers signal on the back, and it Decepticons. I'm like, oh my goodness, what a geek. <laughs> wow, that's right up there with me. I mean, it's, I, I'm really enjoying this guy. And um, is that the final act? Isn't it funny? There's been, a lot of, there's been a lot of movies about this, isn't there? Maybe it's an asteroid. Maybe it's the singularity. When Skynet finally goes active sometime in the next few years, right? Well, you pick your poison. Maybe it's a pandemic. We get scared of these things. Maybe it's an asteroid. Apparently there's one coming in 2068 or something like that. Somebody says that maybe there's one coming. But that, it's like people are constantly asking this. By the way, this has fueled a lot of people to think we need to be able to get off this world and, and perpetuate our species in the, in the, in the, the, the reaches of space-time, whatever. All right, so what is really the final outcome for this world? Uh, I, never, I did not watch Breaking Bad. Some of you did. Some, of you, some people tell me how good that's, that, that show is for years. But I have a rule. I really mean this. I have a rule. Uh, sex and violence and that stuff, that can bother me too. But that's not really what gets me. What I, I have a rule. I do not like to watch a show that doesn't have redemption. Because stories that don't have redemption are false. 
There's a lot of people in Hollywood. There's a lot of people in this world creating stories, creating images of the world. And, image, and we, we find that they sound kind of true, don't they? This world, it, it's, it, there's, no, there's no hope. And I'm telling you right now, don't watch them because it's lying to you. The show is lying to you the whole time. Why do I know that? Because the ruler of this world has been judged. You know what that means? Evil is on the run. I may not look like it. The hour of evil is coming, right? When we're going to be put out of synagogues or put out of churches and suffer. And it's going to happen if it's out of synagogues. It's going to happen at the hands of religious people who say they're our brothers. You know, there'll be a person who will think they're doing a, a service to God. That's actually talking about Paul, isn't it? Becomes one of the great servants of the church. One of the people who did that. But, uh, but you know, it, and it's, there's a bewildering level of animate evil. And you can get caught up. Do you ever do this? You ever get caught up? Sometimes Christians get caught up in this. Who's the Antichrist? Ooh, how many, how many letters are in his name? Ooh. Ooh, what, what's the numerical value of it? And what are they doing there? Fascinated with the idea of evil and tranced by it, trying to figure out and unravel it and untie it and unknot it as if it were decipherable. And what's happening here is what Christ is telling you. Satan, evil in this world, it's on the run, baby. I beat it. I have judged the world in my judgment. I am the king. Boy, do we need a Holy Spirit work to remind us and to tell us and to speak that life to us when our boss is the most evil person we know, right? Or our neighbor is an evil, despicable person. Or we are dismayed by the political uh, diorama around us and that everybody, whether they're accusing or being accused, all seem evil. And who, where will victory come? And, and is there anything? And, and, ah, it makes you want to crawl and hide, doesn't it? Unless, unless, unless the Holy Spirit declares to us the victory of Jesus and the judgment, his success. For Satan was trounced and death went running when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to what? Judge the quick and the dead. He will do his business. He has been doing it. Do not be afraid anymore. It's so easy to get afraid of conspiracies, isn't it? Be afraid of what the next day, what's going to happen. Uh, we were talking, you know, there's a the coronavirus, I think is somebody in Parnassus right now. They're, they're, they're caring for some people. And I'm like, I'm, not, I'm sitting there, I'm like, it's in my hometown? Uh, I mean, it's less than a mile, it's two miles away from me? All of a sudden, it didn't seem so abstract, right? All of a sudden, it seemed very much like, whoa, it's right here in San Francisco. Or maybe, you have a, maybe you're afraid of the Illuminati. Or maybe you're afraid of it, or maybe you're afraid of some vast conspiracy in the, the bank, the international banks, and, and or the bourgeois and how they're squishing all the proletariat. Or some. Let me hear, hear what hear what hear what the Lord said to Isaiah, hear what the Holy Spirit declared to him. When Isaiah went to the king, and the king was worried about the northern Judea coalition that was against him, where Pekah and Raisin of Damascus were going to come down and smash Jerusalem. And you know what, you know, you know what the Holy Spirit said? Through Isaiah to that king, do not fear what these people fear, and do not call a conspiracy what these people call a conspiracy. What does he say? Fear me. <laughs> He's the king. 
He is not just the king. He is the victorious king. He is not merely the victorious king. He is the bleeding, sacrificial, loving king. You see what he's done here? He didn't, the whole, now, what will deliver this to us? What will give us hope today and hope that we can get out of, when we get out of here? It will be the Holy Spirit. And this is really where I want to take us next week, declaring to you. What is the sound of my voice right now if the Holy Spirit's in me? The Holy Spirit's declaring something to you. And I, 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 I advise you to listen. And let my words convict you as much as they are of the Spirit. And conviction could come. And so, uh, and this actually, in a wonderful way, as we kind of unpack this next week, is I want you to notice one thing here. If I go, I will send him to you, right? If I go, says Jesus, I will send him, that's the Holy Spirit, to you. And when he comes, he will convict you? No. He will convict the world. What's missing there? Or what is implied? What the Holy Spirit declares to you as he fills this room, what will happen, Johnny, at the Coast Guard? What will happen over in Alameda? What will happen at the salon? What will happen at work? What will happen where in, the, in the hospitals? What will happen in the business of business you go? What will happen if we are truly a people of the Holy Spirit? We become the voice through which the Holy Spirit declares. Look, I'm claiming that right here, right now as a preacher in a sermon, and you might go, well, that's fine for you. You're a pro. You get paid to do this. That means nothing nor less than nothing, for it is the Holy Spirit who declares, I am merely a servant, and so are you. And there's an idea here, there's an idea pregnant in the text, that when the Holy Spirit invades the church, what's the first thing we all talk about in Acts? Everybody's speaking in tongues. That's, that's, that is the superfluous uh, note in the text. What is the great note? Salvation from sin has arrived because of Jesus Christ, and men can be saved right? That's what, the, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And I'm praying he make you into little mini declarers, right? Mini heralds, little mini hymns by the power of the Spirit. We need him to declare it to us today, don't we? Right now in this moment and through us, declare it to the world. Let's pray. Father, we give all glory and honor and praise to you. And we thank you for this word. And we thank you that you would take the time to open it to us. But we want more than that. I, I, Father, Father, look, a lot of us are very satisfied with understanding the Bible. And we're very sorry for that because we thought understanding was enough. <laughs> it's not enough. We need conviction. Father, just take, Father, Holy Spirit, be the drain weasel right now and clear out and route out the unbelief in your sacrifice of your son. Help us to route out all the unbelief about you being enthroned as king forever. Help us to route out all our fears that our enemy is defeated and you are enthroned. <laughs> Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come, Holy Spirit fill. And like that wind out there, Father, thunder in his place and thunder into us and bowl us over. Capture our wills, capture our imaginations, capture our worship, and then multiply it for salvation for many. We prayed in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. 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 I, I um, was so thankful for that message. That sounds odd to you, perhaps, but you have to understand, I'm, I, I'm just here to hear the word, too. I'm not, 
I'm not in a superior position that way. I need these, these truths as deeply as you do. And Jesus Christ knew that. And on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. And in a similar way, he also take, he took a cup of wine, saying, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. This is, in, in, in this, we, sell, we uh, golly, I got all worked up. Um, what is this table? It's your first application. And this table is an empty idol if the Holy Spirit's not in it, right? And if it's not being declared to you that Jesus loves you and he's enthroned and he's defeated sin, death, and judgment. Praise him. <laughs> it just doesn't get better than this. All right, so this table's for you if Jesus, if you want Jesus to be the, where did I put that? Oh, sorry. There we go. Uh, all right, if you, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting scatterbrained all of a sudden. Um, where am I in, the, in, this, in this? Have I told you yet you can come or can't come? Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, so I know where I am. I know where I am. I know where I am. So this table is for every sinner who has heard the declaring words of the righteousness of Christ by faith. Amen? Is that you? Did you hear it? Do you know that sound? Do you know the tenor of that voice, that voice of joy inviting you into his love and forgiveness? If you know that, that's your table. That's your table. But if you, don't, if you, if, if, but if you think you're a good person, if you think you're a good woman or a good man, and you're trying your hardest to please God, let me warn you, don't go to that table because you're going to eat and drink judgment to yourself. You have not yet heard the Spirit declare to you the need for forgiveness of sins. You haven't heard it yet. Oh, it's strange. You can hear it. Just ask him, to, ask him to say it. Say it so you can hear it. But don't come today. If you're a skeptic and you find my claims and my actions and my behavior outrageous, that's fine. You're not the first person. But, but I, am, I am hoping that you will watch us as we go to this table, watch us as we take this bread and this wine, that you will watch us in your skepticism, and you will hunger almost insatiably to know God the way we do. Because you can. Mm. All right, that's that. So uh, we, it is our, our custom and our habit that we, that we, uh, we uh, speak the, uh, uh, gosh, I'm, my brain just went flat, uh, the mystery of faith and the Apostles' Creed, and we sing a song. While we're singing the song, it is our custom, you come forward, take the bread and the wine back to your seat. Wine is to the right, bre uh, grape juice is to the left, whose conscience or taste uh, uh, demands it. So um, come up and get that, take it back, and we'll take it together after we're done singing a song of praise. And then we'll get to praise God and, and praise our Savior on the throne, okay? All right, so that's, that's the drill, and um, let's stand. Will you proclaim to me? Let's all proclaim it together because it's so gorgeous, it's so beautiful, and it's so true. Let the Holy Spirit declare it with us. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. So tell me, what do we believe around here? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, offered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. When on the third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Oh, I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.